For those of you who have lost money, like millions overnight. For those of you who are or have been in personal debt. For those of you who have been at rock bottom, ready to give up. Get ready because it's gonna get a whole lot worse. And that's a great thing. This is Below Zero to Hero, a brain dump by The Fail Coach, helping entrepreneurs develop a healthy relationship with failure. Look, failure can't be feared. It's the number one killer of creativity, ideas, dreams, and even entrepreneurs themselves. And it's thought will never get in your way again. With the right mindset, failure can be step one into a new journey of being a better leader, having better balance, better relationships, and most importantly, success. So bring it on. This is Below Zero to Hero with The Fail Coach. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Brain Dumb by The Fail Coach. We have another very interesting guest today and we are doing another interview. Uh, my dear friend, Gerard, is here with me. And Gerard, welcome to the show. And uh, please do, do me a favor and I'll let you introduce yourself a little bit to the audience first. Okay, well, first of all, thank you very much for having me. If you guys are listening to this show, you know very well that he gives so much high level knowledge and insight that I don't know, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like every time I've talked to you, I've done nothing but come away with so many aha moments. So uh, the fact that you're allowing me to be on your show, I've, you know, I, I truly appreciate that. Well, thank you. But as far as myself goes, um, my name is Gerard Norman, I'm CEO of Gerard Marketing Group. I'm located in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And uh, I've been in the marketing business, social media marketing, paid ad space, going on four years right now. And for the most part, what we do is, you know, our, our line is we turn strangers into customers using paid social media ads. And we help businesses all over the world generate actually more revenue based off the leads and help them with sales so that they can grow their bottom line and scale their business. Okay. But before we dive into the whole marketing thing, well, first mm -hmm. off, uh, Gerard, is there like a background noise behind you? Because I do hear something. No, sir. Okay, it, it was just like briefly, but it was almost like, I don't know, a co-worker or something in the back. Um, just me but, today in here. Okay, so before we go into the marketing, you have an amazing story. And I would love it if you would share uh, some of that story with us, because that story brought you basically um, to the right mindset and then into the marketing. And, and I would love to start with your story, then go a bit into the mindset, and then we can end up with the marketing. That would be awesome. Um, so a little bit about my story. Um, I don't want to go too far back, but let's just take it back to uh, 2012. So at that point, I was in the shipbuilding industry. Um, I went to apprentice school at Newport News Shipbuilding, where in, uh, in America, that's where they build most of the aircraft carriers and the submarines. Mm -hmm. United States Navy. I've been in that program since 2003, seen a lot of success in it, made supervisor, and was running a nuclear program. And uh, one day I was on the way to work in 2012. It was actually, uh, you know, I, I, my firstborn was born in 2010. But when I met his mom, he actually already, you know, she already had a kid. So I've adopted another kid. And at this time, it was his birthday. It was March, it was May 12th. May 15th, 2012, and he had just turned seven years old, and I was taking my son to school on the way to work, and we were hit by an 18-wheeler truck coming off the highway, um, pulling onto the main street. He actually ran a red light and, and you know almost flipped our truck over, 
Um, my son was two years old. He was on the back seat, in the back seat on the passenger side, and the truck actually hit that side of the truck. Nothing happened to him. The truck got dented up a little bit, but the truck got lifted off the ground. So I'm in the driver's side, and both the passenger side wheels are up in the air, and we almost flip over. We didn't. The truck slammed back down, and I sustained um, so I wouldn't say massive life ending injuries because I'm here, but I sustained some injuries that didn't allow me to continue to go to work anymore in the field that I was in. I had back surgery, I had hip surgery. Um, and in 2000, the end of 2012, I, you know, I, I couldn't handle going to work anymore. My walk had changed so much and I just was in so much pain that I had to take some time off and get some surgeries done. And with all that came a lot of financial heartache because it didn't happen at work. You know, when you, whenever you get in a car accident, they don't, they don't, um, they don't give you any money. You kind of have to go through the process of healing before they, they even give you anything. So my process of healing was so long that there was no kind of, there was no light at the end of the tunnel for me anytime soon. So, you know, I, I faced a lot of financial uh, situations where one, I, I bought my house when I was 21 years old. I lost that house in foreclosure. I couldn't afford to pay for it. Um, at that time, I, you know, I had my son and I had his older brother. And I was trying to take care of these two kids, not knowing where I was going to get my money and through all my retirement. I had like 20000 saved up in retirement, went through that pretty fast. And I just didn't know what I was going to do. So I, you know, I tried uh, real estate investing. So I think my surgery was December 2019. I can't remember the exact date, I mean, 2012. And a week after my surgery, I was in a real estate investing conference because I was like, this is how I'm going to make my money. And if things go right, I won't even have to go back to work. That was my mindset was not what was me, but how do I get to the next level and what I'm going to do to take care of these kids. And I found out that you need money to invest in real estate or you need to be with the right people. And I, and I didn't have either um, situations going for me. I tried to do that the best I could for a while. But again, the, the, the impending situations of not having money and feeding two kids and myself um, just wasn't working out. So I tried network marketing thinking I was going to be able to make a lot of money in that really quick. And uh, it was a it was a harsh learning experience, but I learned so much about sales that I wouldn't trade that experience for the world. I did that for about two to three years, made and it didn't make a lot of money, but I learned so much. And uh, along that path, I met some gentlemen that came into that company. They came into the company, they started making 20, 30 grand overnight. And I was just like, wow, you know, and they were doing it by using, you know, one, their network, and two, they did a lot of it by using advertising. And I realized that, you know, with me being an introvert, not wanting to talk to every single person I run across for the sake of trying to sell them something, I said, this is the way to go. If I know that someone already wants something, why, why, why talk to someone who doesn't want it when I can talk to someone who does? And uh, through that experience, I decided that I wanted to learn how to do marketing so that way I could be my truest self, which is, you know, like even with you, I love talking to you, but if I bumped into you outside, I don't want to be, I want to have a conversation with you. <laughs> that leads to you joining my network marketing company or buying my products or services. That never sat right with me. So marketing was a way that I could bridge that gap. I could be me without having to sacrifice myself and still help people. And um, I stopped doing network marketing and just went all in on marketing. And here we are today. Perfect. Um, well, <laughs> it's a good thing that, you know, um, yes, we are talking uh, because there's, <laughs> there's so much to learn from you as well. Um, and I mean, just, you know, kudos on, on, on like everything that you've done so far, um, you know, how quickly you picked yourself up, um, and, you know, be, and me being from Europe, 
uh, one good thing that we have here is, you know, the social security. So if things like that do happen to you, <clears throat> you get the money faster, you get some money. It's not much. It's not, you know, oh, I'm going to be wealthy, but at least you can, you know, go through those uh, hard, hard times uh, and not just wait it out and, and lose your house in the process and so on. So, um, yeah, there that would are be some... nice. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you, you have like, you have a solution. Um, uh, vote for Bernie. I think, I think he's the one talking about, uh, um, healthcare. I mean, I'm, I'm not following so much about, about the U S elections, but from what I see, um, on the social media, I think, Bernie is the one talking about universal health care and uh, uh, I think even um, free education, just the way we have it here in Europe. Yeah, I think that would be great because a lot of people go into debt. By me going to the apprentice school, I didn't have to pay. I actually got paid while I was there to learn what they needed me to learn. And then when I was done with their curriculum, I was in the advanced program. So they sent me to a local community college. And I, I got an associate's degree. Now, you know, nothing against degrees, but, you know, that's the only time I kind of talk about it is when I talk about the, the military, because my degree, I don't think, I can't say it doesn't help me, but, you know, at the same time, it's, you know, I, I did it because it was available and I got paid to go. Um, but if, you know, if it was free school, I might have probably went to more school. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Well, even, but, you know, you have to, if, if I look at it from our perspective here in Europe, um, a lot of young people go to you know university just because it's free or almost free uh, but what is happening now is that um, you know if you need a car mechanic nobody wants to you know just go to to that school and, and not go to university so everybody's going to universities and then um, you know because they're educated they're kind of expecting, you know, a higher paid job, office jobs, and so on. So, um, you know, now if you need, you know, somebody to come and, and you know, uh, help you with your washing machine or this or that, I mean, you have to chase them down. You have to pay them just for them to, to, to actually show up. So, um, but yeah, everybody wants to, like, I think one thing is that, you know, at 18 here in, in, in Europe, you know, at 18, you finish high school. And that's when you usually then with 19, you go to university. And so with 18, most people have no clue what they want to do in their life and so on. So they just say, well, you know what, I'm going to go to university and, you know, I'll figure it out in those, you know, four or five, six years. Um, and they, then by the time they are done, which is usually a few years later because they, you know, slack through it um, yeah. because, you know, they chose something just so that they can choose something, not something that they're super passionate about. And so everything just takes way longer. And I don't think there's any particular limit on how long you can stay in the university because we don't really? have, you know, like campuses and so on. So you basically live in an apartment and you just go to lecture oh really? it, it's a little bit it's a little bit different system so you know like they don't just kick you out after four years so you can easily extend it and and remain in the university until you're like 30 or something i mean i had a few friends who were still going to university with 30 31 32 i don't know maybe they've changed something in the recent years 
that I'm not aware of, but I knew a lot of people like that. And then there was this added bonus. If you were working as the university student, uh, because you were still insured by your parents, um, the company hiring you had less to pay to the government. So it was cheaper to get those people. So a lot of university people were just staying there just for the paper so that they could work for cheaper and get job like that. And then it was cheaper for companies, but that was unloyal, comp uh, uh, you know, uh, compete with, with the regular workforce. So it was, it was kind of a strange thing. Um, mm. And, but yeah, most people, that I know who went to universities, they, they don't do things that they studied for. They, they went in one university and now they're doing something completely different. So um, I, I think that, you know, uh, what we got in Europe with this whole free education is too much people staying in school too long and mm -hmm. getting, getting degrees and educations for, you know, basically jobs that, you know, you, you don't, need so many people to study those jobs and then they can't get jobs that they studied for. Yeah, that's so, a rough situation. Yeah, a little bit different situation. So, I, I, you know, like, I guess neither system is the best. Probably something in between would be the sweet spot. But, you know, I mean, um, you and I, we are not here to solve the university challenge. We are not here <laughs> to talk about the politics as well. Um, because, you know, like, let, 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 let's other people on Facebook talk about politics. I was just, because really I see it so often on, on Facebook about Bernie and that's why I had to mention it. But, you know, other than that, I mean, you know, I'm not a U.S. citizen. I don't live in the U.S. I don't plan to live that. So, so you know, it's up to you yeah. guys to figure out who do you want as your next president. So, yeah, let's not go into politics. I know that that's a yeah. very divisive topic right yeah. now not just in the US, like probably everywhere in the world, there's so much of the uh, extreme left, extreme right. Um, and, you know, there's very little of that centric thing. And I mean, you know, um, even you guys in marketing, uh, uh, one of the things that I know that most people in marketing say is you want to be polarizing, you know, because, you know, that will help you in your marketing activities. And, I mean, yes, of course it will, but, you know, um, I think there's way too much polarizing, um, even unnecessary polarizing going on, yeah. but okay. Um, we'll get to that. We'll get to polarizing in marketing or, um, you know, if, if you care to share your opinion on that, um, please do. On politics or polarizing? Polarizing in marketing, not in politics. Okay. Yeah. Politics, like you said, I, I know probably as much as you do. Entrepreneurs create their own economy to an extent. So um, I keep my head down and do what I'm supposed to do in order to get us to the next level. But for polarizing and marketing, I feel like it's extremely important because, you know, if you think about a realtor, because, you know, most people know who a realtor is. Um, most of the time they have the same picture. They're kind of just, you know, with their arms crossed or just it's the same look. And my thing is this, you know, everybody's saying, you know, keeping that realtor example, we buy and sell homes, but what makes you different from the other realtor? And then if, if, if you do get them to talk about that, they're talking about the same things that the other realtors are talking about. You know, I help people sell their homes for more money or I help people sell their homes faster, um, whatever it may be. And even though those things may be true, 
to the end user is the same. It's almost like going to a gym. If I go to the UFC gym versus another gym, I don't know the difference of the gym until I actually come and experience it. And it's the same thing. Value is created after the experience. So being polarized in your marketing will help you be, will help to uh, kind of paint that experience for someone, what it would be like to work with you. Um, and, and I think that's why it's important. And the best way to be polarizing and to share that is through video. Because if like right now, if we're on video right now and you get to see me, then, you know, you can develop, you know, within milliseconds, whether you even like me or, you know, you, you may question it. Maybe it takes you a few minutes to decide whether you like me, but either way that like the know and the trust is consistent. It's, it's consistently going towards trust. And at the end of the day, people do business with people they like, know, and trust. And in order to, to, to get that point across, you have to be polarizing. And the best way to do that, again, is to showing yourself on video and delivering that message. Okay. No, I mean, I, I get that. I absolutely get that. Um, uh, but, you know, often I see people, especially on Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, on social media. I mean, I don't follow other social media. So I have my team doing that because I, I just, I, I don't understand Instagram with all those pictures and hashtags. I guess I'm just too old for that um, to, to really understand it. Thankfully, we have younger people on our team who do understand that. So uh, mostly, doing the right following, thing, <laughs> mostly, mostly like my two social media networks that I love to follow are, uh, well, are three, YouTube, um, and, and um, Facebook and LinkedIn. But especially on Facebook on LinkedIn, um, I often see that people go, you know, even a step further where they try to be polarizing about everything, even things that have nothing to do with their business, you know, just like, oh, I'm a business coach. So, and then, you know, um, uh, people who eat white bread are the craziest bunch of people in the world. Like, what does that have to do anything with, you know, the things that I do? But um, it, it's almost like from, some, from quite a lot of people, like whatever they put out there, it's, you know, trying to be polarizing in a very negative way, using quite negative words to call out people who don't agree with them. Does that make sense? Do you see that as well? I do. And I feel like that's more of this age of uh, social media because everyone has a voice and everyone had a voice before social media. But I feel like with social media, you can instantly put that out into the universe, whether you have a thousand followers, one follower, millions of followers, people are going to see it. And I feel like some of these folks, you know, like you said, they're doing it negatively and they're doing it because, you know, in any business, well, I wouldn't say any business, but I like to think of sports and entertainment. Like let's take, you know, fighting, for instance, you know, good news, I mean, or, or good promo, or even you going out there being polarized and doing bad things, it gets people talking about you. And even if people are talking about you negatively nowadays, you can actually capitalize on that. Is that the way that guys like you and me want to go? No, but some people just, they have no shame. You know, they have no shame. And my, you know, my job and our job period is not to shame them. It's just uh, the, the cool thing about social media, whether it's YouTube, which is my number one platform, because I get to choose what I want to watch and, 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 you know, not have to deal with everybody else's thought process I pick. But whatever it is, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, or LinkedIn, we can easily unfollow them or hide their comments or unsubscribe, whatever it may be. We can do those things so that we don't see them anymore. But, you know, I, I just think it's this day and time. And I just think it's with the younger generation, you know, I don't know, man. It's just different different ways of upbringing have, have led to where we are now. And, you know, 
I, I, I don't agree with it either. But at the end of the day, if I see it something, is what I don't, it, is. it is what it is. I've, I've, I've unfollowed family members, not necessarily unfriended them because they'll be been out of shape, but <laughs> I, I will hide their, you know, their posts. So I won't see their posts because everything they're talking about is just so negative. And it's just like, if I do get on Facebook, which I really do, I don't want to see that. I want to see positivity or I want to put something on there that's going to spread some positivity. But in the in-between, I don't have to, I don't have to see that. So I would suggest for everyone, if you see some of this polarizing things that you don't like, unfollow, unfriend, unsubscribe, whatever it is, and just get that out of your timeline. Because every time you go on there, that's affecting your thought process. I know, I know. <laughs> you know, you know, those people who make posts like, you know, oh, I have 5,000 friends and now I, now I have to, you know, delete a few thousand. So comment if you want to stay. Uh, I don't know how they ever come to 5,000 because, you know, with, uh, I'm, I'm constantly weeding out uh, these people who are, you know, negative and uh, extremely polarizing and so on. I mean, I don't know how I can ever come to 5,000 friends if I just keep on weeding out the bad seeds from my timeline. <laughs> Very true. But you got to think of it like this, even thinking of it from a polarizing aspect, if I was to get close to 5,000 friends, I, that's not the post I would want to make, but what kind of attention does that give you? You know, let's say I did that. I got 5,000 friends and I got new people that I'm meeting. So you guys have to comment if you want to stay on. And if you don't, you're going to get removed. And if people think that highly of me, whether positively or negatively, whether they just want to see what I'm going to talk about next, just so they can hate, they're going to comment. So then that skyrockets the engagement on my page. So now my organic, my organic reach is further than it would have been had I not done anything like that. So, um, there's all kinds of strategies behind the game. It's just like you said, there's guys like us that just don't want to play that nonsense, don't want to see that nonsense, but there's some other people that, you know, that are making a killing doing these things. And it kind of, the thing I don't like about that is it encourages other people to do those things. So, you know, as a father, I'm looking at my son and I'm looking, making sure that I'm steering him away from that and kind of steering him towards, you know, what we're doing as entrepreneurs and the kind of guys that we you know, talk to and hang out with and, 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 and mastermind with. So that way he doesn't become part of that crowd. And I want to help more kids to do that too. But, you know, you, you help one person at a time, you know? No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, most of the time when I see a post like that in my head, I just say to myself, well, you know, maybe if you would create a more, a, a bit more valuable content, um, more people would actually engage with you instead of creating posts like, oh, if you don't engage, I will delete you. Well, I haven't seen you engage on my content yet, so why would I do it on yours? Um, and usually that is a, a very good opportunity for me to just hit that unfriend button when I see something like that. So that's one of the usual causes how I weed out people from my network. Uh, Gerard. Yes. Um, before you went into marketing, so we, we, went, we were there where you had the aha moment in a way, like, oh, I need to learn this if I, you know, for anything that I will be doing in my business. Um, let's talk about mindset. Let's talk about your mindset, going through your story um, and going into entrepreneurship and then going through some failed attempts. So, Walk us a little bit through how that mindset in you was developing and, and the emotions and the self-talk through all that journey. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, for me, 
when I got into that car accident again, it was in May, 2012, before that car accident happened, I, you know, I believe in, in the universe and, you know, is setting things up for us. Right. But before that car accident happened, I would, I switched shipyards. I was working at a, a shipyard that wasn't government regulated. And then I went to one that was, and when I went to the government regulated shipyard, it seemed like the integrity just fell off the cliff and inside, and, you know, in my heart, I'm, I'm a man of integrity. And that was really killing me inside. And I realized that I couldn't work for, uh, work for a company or work at a place where, you know, let's say a submarine, you know, you have to, you know, I'm a painter, what well, was a painter and, you know, paint's more difficult than what people think it is. So you have to get a job passed. It has to be checked. You know, they're checking all these different things. There's all this paperwork and guys would be at a soda machine passing a job just because I bought the Minnesota. Oh, your job's good. And, and to me, you know, I'm, I'm like, this isn't good because I've, I've learned this stuff. So one day I, I walked up and looked at the sky and said, I can't do this for the rest of my life. At that point, I didn't, you know, I didn't have a plan outside of being in the shipyard. I thought I would make a good enough money and retire. And then that accident happened not too long after that. But in that process, I was actually learning more about personal development. Started reading a whole bunch of Rich Dad Poor Dad books, which was what led me to real estate first. And just understanding, you know, not just the Rich Dad Poor Dad, but all the books he talked about, you know, the Clash Flow Quadrant, talking about self-employed versus being a business owner and investor and things like that. So, you know, once I started reading these books, I just started understanding the personal power that I had. I grew up an introvert, somewhat socially awkward, but if you got to know me, I was cool, but in a big social setting, I kind of stayed to myself. So once I started reading these books, I started understanding the power that I had as a person. Because when you read a personal development book, I feel like there's a few ways you can look at it. It's, you know, um, this is where I want to be. I've already, you know, I'm here right now, or I've already passed this point. And you think about that point you passed and you realize that, you know, you made gains. And when I was reading this book, there was a lot of things that, you know, there were things where I, of course, where I want to be and I'm always striving for, but I realized how many things I've actually already not necessarily mastered, but passed in that point or things that, you know, and then I started thinking about to all these moments and I was like, damn, Gerard, you're, you know, you're, you're a lot better than what you think you are. You never gave yourself credit for anything. And when that car accident happened, I had already been geared up from reading all these different books. And I read books multiple times before I switch. And so once, you know, the car accident happened, you know, I thought about it. I was like, you know, how am I, how am I going to make money? Um, I don't know how long this injury is going to hold me down. And um, I just was like, I couldn't continue to work. So my mom, she gave me like $10,000, you know, at one point, which was, you know, a great help. But, you know, at that time I was, <laughs> my bills were, you know, my cost of living was at least five to 10 grand a month, depending on what. And so it didn't really last long, but she gave me the confidence to go ahead and say, you know what, you need to stop working, go out, get your surgery done. And um, you'll be back in no time, but it didn't happen. And I just think all that time spending, you know, doing the personal development and I didn't stop the whole time from the time I did it before the accident and the time through the accident and on, it just wouldn't allow me to go backwards. I mean, every now and then I'll have a moment where, it just seemed like it was a lot. I'd have maybe once every few months, I would just have this moment. And then my girlfriend, who was my wife at the now, she was my girlfriend at the time, she would just remind me of everything I had done, everything I had been through. And, and I don't know about you, but guys like me, and I've been transitioning out of this, I never give myself credit for what I've done. Everything I've done is just so easy that I just think that it was nothing. And I don't give myself, I just don't want to be too complacent. But having her to, to witness what I was going through from the time I came out of surgeries and couldn't walk and all this other stuff. And just for her to remind me, if I ever had one of those down moments, she was just always there to tell me about it. And I just turned things around and, you know, it was usually a day, maybe two that I would be low and down on myself every now and then. 
but it's just all that personal development, um, Think and Grow Rich, um, and all the books that are associated with that, it just wouldn't let me go backwards in my mindset. And it just let me know that if I believe in myself and I believe where I'm trying to go, that nothing's going to stop me. The only person that can stop me is me. And um, it's, it's weird. Uh, it's just weird how, how it all happened. It's, it's, it's hard for me to kind of go into the emotions I felt at the time because for me, I just override my system. Whatever I'm feeling, it's like effort. I override it. I'm the type of guy that's going to pick up my, my lunch pail, I call it, and go to work and, and put in the hours and do what's necessary and no ma- at, at, at whatever cost. And but Gerald, I have to stop you here. What's then your ventilation? Like, how do you vent it out? You know, if like I, I understand that, oh, shit's happening. I need to just, you know, say fuck it and, and, and you know, just do what I have to do to solve the, this problem. I mean, um, I get it. Uh, but, you know, if, if you never vent it out, it, it just, you know, stays inside of you, just, you know, kind of like builds up there until one day you do blow up so you know what's your mm. ventilation ventilation strategy um if if i'm understanding you clearly and what you're saying it makes a lot of sense for me it was just appreciating my son uh, of course my wife now too but just spending time with my son because through all of this you know i had more time and at the same time i felt like i didn't have any but just you know, I had got full custody of my son when he was 10 months old. So having him with me meant everything to me and just spending time with him and his older brother, which I consider my son as well, meant everything. And that's when I came up with this thing called Gave. And uh, I'm wearing a shirt now, even though we're audio, but it's G-A-V-E. And it stands for gratitude, appreciation, visualization every day. And uh, I would say back in 2016, I came up with this. And uh, it was from, again, personal development. A lot of the things the guys were saying, because a lot of them say the same thing in different ways. And sometimes you need to hear the message a different way to kind of fully um, take it in and do something with it. But when I broke it down, all of them talked about being grateful and appreciative and visualization. They just didn't say it in that order. So I put those letters together and I wrote them down every day. And one day I saw GAV and I just put an E on it and it became do those things every day. And uh, if I'm understanding you correctly, I feel like that's been my ventilation. And I feel like that's the thing that allows me to, to come down and, and, and clear my head because, you know, even though I was spending a lot of time with my kids, I felt like I was there for everything. And I felt like I was missing everything. And that was killing me more than the challenges that I had of making money to, you know, to provide for the family was, you know, the kid's only two once, he's only three once, same way we are. And I just felt like I was missing it. So that gratitude starting the day off in that position every day and making sure I end the day with that. And of course, do it in between, but how you start your day and end your day is everything. And I feel like I've mastered how to do that. Those things are what allow me to vent, bring myself down and keep myself from combusting because I'm, I'm pretty sure there was times that I almost did. I mean, the stress of being in pain for years and not having an alleviation to that outside of taking medication, which I stopped taking a year or two in because I just felt like it was messing me up mentally. Um, it, it, I would have to say it's that gave process. And that's why, you know, even in my business, I talk about that today and how, it's, how much it's helped me because without that, I mean, I'm not going to say I wouldn't be here, but I don't, you know, who knows where I would be without that, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely understand that. Uh, you mentioned that you have like a morning practice uh, mm-hmm. that you do every day. May I ask you what it is? 
Definitely, definitely. So first thing I do when I get up, um, I used to stretch in the bed. My wife said I'm waking her up. I get up at 3.42 a.m. most mornings. And the reason for that is because I have this saying I like to say, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. So if I really want to be up at four, I need a few minutes to, to have my mind right. So at four o'clock, I'm not still dragging around and, and walking in circles. So I get up at 3.42, I stretch. First thing I do is I'll um, read my affirmations. And then after I read my affirmations, I'll go into my, my um, it's like a journal. My, my business coach, he's a Zig Ziglar guy. He gave me um, a Zig book. And in the back, I'll write my gratitude, appreciation, visualization. I'll write that out every single day. And then after that, I start looking at what I planned the night before for today. So it's just a quick recap. And then after I do that, I'll meditate for probably at least 20, sometimes 30 minutes. Some mornings I'll go for a whole hour. And then by the time I'm done with that, I'm ready to go. Um, I'll work out, then my family's up. And then when my family's up, I'm, at, I'm my best self at that moment. And I can receive them better and I can be what they need to be in order to affect their day positively. And essentially I do the same thing at night, not as much stretching at night, um, but for the most part, it's the same process right before I go to bed. Okay. Okay. Nice. Um, so let's now move towards the marketing. We have to, like mm -hmm. we've been on this call for, for like, 30 ish minutes already. So um, yeah, let's, let's, let's give some um, applicable business value as well to, uh, I mean, I, 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 I think, you know, like the inspiration and the motivation that comes from everything that you've said so far is already very valuable, but um, you know, we always try to give a little bit of the applicable business value as well. So um, marketing, how would you, um, what, what advice would you give or how do you approach marketing? The way I approach marketing is one, you know, everybody has multiple products and services, but when you want to start marketing something, the best thing to do is figure out which product or service you want to start marketing with first. Um, if we, let's go, let's stick with the realtor example. Realtors help people buy and sell houses, but the conversation with helping someone buy a house is totally different from a conversation of helping somebody sell a house. So, and you, if you're marketing and you want more buyers, why would you try to talk to both at the same time? There's no way to do that efficiently, especially seeing how the marketplace is crowded, which in most cases, a lot of people's marketplaces are crowded. So first goal would be one to define who, what product or service you wanna to talk to, because then once you do that, it allows you to figure out who the target audience is. Once you understand who the target audience is, now you can talk to them in a way that lets you know, lets them know you understand them, you understand their problems, which comes first, and then that you can provide a solution afterwards. And I feel like a lot of people, what they end up doing is, I'm a realtor, you wanna buy and sell a house, come work with me. And that really doesn't do anything for anyone. Because when you're buying a house, when you, got, you, gotta, you gotta get pre-qualified, and a lot of people have never done that before. So there's challenges and thought processes and beliefs they have to overcome in order to get to the point where they're even willing to, to meet with a mortgage person to even get that done. Versus if I'm selling a house, I've already been through all that before, so why would you talk to me about that? That doesn't make sense. And with social media, I've lost interest because you're talking about something that has nothing to do with me. So again, rule number one, choose one product or service so you can define that target market. Once you define that target market, understand what their problems are, talk to those problems, then provide a solution. And after all of that, you know, while you're providing the solution, that's when you introduce yourself. A lot of times people are introducing themselves in the beginning. 
average watch time on Facebook is six seconds. If you spend three seconds introducing yourself, more than likely they're gone before you talk about anything that has anything to do with them. And I feel like that's where most people lose. That and not being on video. Okay, okay. Um, all of that sounds really smart. But how, how do we capture that attention in three seconds? You capture that attention in three seconds. Well, if we're talking about ad copy in, in, the, in the video ad copy, it's more or less, there's a few different ways to do that. One thing that we always like to do is we like to start off with a question. Because if I ask you a question and you don't have to answer it, what are you still doing in your head? Thinking about it. Exactly. So that, that one thing right there, you, not to say you start everything off ad wise with a question, but that's a really good technique because they have to think about it. And if they have to think about it, they have to pause. And once they pause, the goal is to get them to read the next line, the next line and just keep them intrigued. That's how we break down that three second barrier. And as far as the video, similar situation, you know, it could be asking them a question. One thing we like to call, uh, we like to do in our videos is something we call a grand entrance. How would you, how are you gonna enter? Some people will enter waving their hands. That works for some people. Some people will, you know, wave their hand. Some people get really close to the camera and then back up, different movements. It depends on what your product or service is on what kind of suggestion I would make on the grand entrance, but you have to do something other than just stand there because when people scroll through their timeline, everybody's just standing there on video. It's a talking head video nine times out of 10. So what can you do different that's gonna make somebody stop and at least wanna see? Because you know when people are scrolling, there's usually no sound in their timeline either. So you know you wanna get them to stop, you want them to see. I suggest adding captions to your video so that way if they can't put the sound on or they don't wanna put the sound on, then they can at least read what's going on in addition to you know, whatever it is that you did to enter into the video to get, them, get their attention. Um, those are things that will get people past that three seconds. And then the next goal is to get them to keep going throughout the video and then to take some action. Gerard, how should I, how should I start my videos with, uh, with the grand entrance? I'm, I'm like very, you know, like I'm not grand cordon, Gary Vee type of person, you know, jumping on stages and so on, you know, kind of very calm and, and so on. So <laughs> what would you suggest for me? <laughs> huh. That's good. That's a good, uh, that's a good question. So I would need a little bit more information for you. One would be, let's talk about your target audience first, because once we find out who they are, we can understand what they would respond to outside of the Gary V. Grant Cardone thing. So who's your target audience? Oh, it's most of them, it's mompreneurs. You said mompreneurs? Yes. Okay, mompreneurs, uh, what's their age grade, age range on average? Um, 30-ish to 40-ish. Do they have children or not most of the time? Yes, most of the time, young children. Uh, like um, uh, just, you know, toddlers. Uh, so up to, you know, kids that can be uh, on their own already. So, so it's, it's that young age where they have to take care of the kids, family, and they want to do something on the side. That, that's, that's the sweet spot of the moms. Oh, well, I would say for that, I mean, I mean, we could even go deeper, but off the top of my head, would be to start your video off with a baby in it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have one yet. <laughs> you got a friend with a baby? Uh, oh, so just, uh, so just uh, uh, rent a baby. <laughs> <laughs> rent a baby. Yeah, rent you a baby. Or, you know, 
I know, I know you know quite a bit of people, man. I know you're a humble guy, but you know a lot of people. You have a lot of influence. You're a great coach. Um, but let's just say, just for the sake of this example, there's a daycare down the street. You got a good relationship with someone. You go in there and you can start off just being in front of a bunch of kids at the daycare. Because then if a mom sees kids and that's what her life is, she's more likely to stop and, and, and take a second and see what's going on. Like, what is this guy doing with these children? Let me see what's going on. And then, you know, through the video, of course, you know, that's how it starts. And maybe the whole theme can play out that way, or you can transition into another theme. But the thing is, that's what's going to keep catch, get their attention and get them to want to stay. So again, if you don't have kids, I mean, you're a resourceful guy. I know you can find one, but you might have to rent <laughs> one. <laughs> but that's what they're into. I mean, I mean, at, at that age, I don't know what kids are watching anymore because TV has changed. But um, I, I don't even know what kids are watching at that age anymore. But even from a targeting aspect, I mean, you can target moms that have kids in that age group that are also entrepreneurs, which would bring in some other targeting aspects along the lines of, you know, there could be business magazines or there could be organizations that these women are part of. And you can go from there. Or what you really could do, this could be funny. You could dress up like one of, if you know what shows their kids watch, on average at that age group in Europe, you could dress up like one of the characters. Or you can be in the video and have someone else dress up <laughs> like the character. You know, you know, see what I'm saying? Just have somebody, uh, uh, an employee dress up as a SpongeBob and just run behind me uh, and uh, wave at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be hilarious. Again, you know, with with your audience, you know, how funny and how out there you can be outgoing is, is you you understand your audience of what you can do with that. But yeah, if you could if you could pull that off, that would definitely get their attention. And if SpongeBob was just standing next to you and you had a, you know, it's like an interview with SpongeBob or, you know, there's so many different things we can go into. And like I said, I'll be happy to help you come up with some ideas for the video, like in further in detail, to be honest, that sounds like fun. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. Um, what else when it comes to marketing? Like what, what are some of the things that, you know, let's say uh, the audience of this podcast is mostly people who are new to entrepreneurship. They, they are thinking about it or they are in the early stages, you know, uh, making the four or five figures uh, in their business. Uh, what are some of the most important things? I mean, yes, like a good one is just, you know, um, hire a marketing agency, somebody like yourself. Um, but if they want to do at least a little bit on their own content wise or this or that, like what would be some, uh, a few tips and tricks that you can share with the audience that they can apply. Uh, and if they do it, they'll probably see results uh in the next few days or weeks i would say one of the things that they can easily do that you know and i'm looking to help more people do this is document the journey um part of the reason that i've had success um and how i became an authority in the marketing space and in my communities that i'm in and everybody doesn't know all the same people is because i documented my journey from the beginning like you said these people are just starting out and if you document your journey like 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 me right now like i'm recording this video on my end even though i know we're doing audio but if i share this video and people see that i'm out there talking to people like yourself or i'm out here in the street closing these deals or helping people do x y and z it's not a question on whether i do it or not the difference is i'm putting the vis the visibility to go with my credibility and and, and in this day and age 
you have to have some type of visibility because, you know, let's, you know, another example would be a dentist. If I'm a dentist or if I need a dentist and I go to on Facebook and I look at this dentist and I just see, you know, they don't have any pictures or anything, or maybe they just have pictures, they look good. But then I go to you, you know, you, you're a dentist and you got videos and I see you and your staff and how you interact and how you take care of your, your patients, you know, who am I more likely to choose? You know? Yeah, I, I agree. Video. Absolutely. Yeah. So my thing is, you know, it doesn't have to be professional. It doesn't have to be all these different things. In some cases, some people are going to say they're not going to do it because they can't produce high quality videos, but that's not what people need. People need that authentic, real feel. And the best way to do that is to get on video. Now, as far as getting results in the next few days or weeks, the only thing that I can suggest to go along with that video is to put some money behind paid ads. You have to understand uh, here in America anyway, and I know it's different outside that on average, to get in front of a thousand people and you can pick which people you want to be in front of kind of like we were talking about the mompreneurs you know if we went and picked moms that are 30 to 40 that have toddler uh, age kids in the whole country and we can you know and then we can make sure that they also like our entrepreneurship it could easily cost me anywhere between 10 20 dollars max on average to get in front of a thousand of those women you know so if i'm getting in front of a thousand of those women i'm capturing their attention and i'm making them an offer and, and, they, and I can give them a, a way to get in contact with me, whether it's um, a lead, uh, what is it, a ClickFunnels page or something like that, where I take their information, I call them, or I send them straight to a, a calendar so they can schedule a time with me. That's the best way to get your money back. Um, if just shooting video will help you, but there's no, you know, you don't get any ROI on that if no one sees it. You know? No, absolutely, yes. People need to see what you, what you, what you have to say, absolutely. So it's a combination um, of those two things, shooting video, getting comfortable on video. And I've been on video for years now and I'm comfortable. I've always been comfortable, but I never liked the end result and how I look and how I come off, but that doesn't ever stop me from delivering my message. And that's the mindset they need to take. And then part two of that is put some money behind the video in front of the people that you want to buy your product or service and give yourself a chance to, to make some money. I mean, one good ad can change your life. Okay. Um, what are some of the most common struggles when it comes to helping people with marketing? Is it, um, you know, how to create your lead magnet or how to create your funnel? Uh, what ecosystem to use to nurture the uh, like and the trust? Like, like, what are some of the things that you see most often that people really struggle when it comes to marketing activities? Again, it's the video. Um... Like you said, the lead pages and the magnets, all that stuff is great. Um, but it's it's usually one. It's either the video or it's they're trying to, they're not single. Uh, they're not making their product or service singular by itself to market to the right audience, and they're just trying to talk to everyone. So those are the two things. Everything else is tech stuff. Um, the difference with marketing nowadays is it's kind of the same as it was then, just in 2020 and beyond we have the ability to get our message out there faster using social media, but essentially it's the same. It's those are the same issues I see all the time. Like if we, if we bring somebody on and again, we're not looking to bring everybody on as clients, but if we bring somebody on, like you were saying, the, the lead pages, all those things we take care of. Usually the thing that the number one issue we have with our clients and we've even made adjustments in our process and you always talk about process. So guys, you know, anything process related, you got to get with my man here. But the one change in our process is if you're not willing to shoot video, 
one, if you don't have any video, when we talk to you, we're already looking at you a little weird, like, ah, we don't know if we want to take this guy on because in order for us to make sure that we give him the best that we can do, we know we need video. So if you don't have video already, we ask you a lot of questions and we're interviewing you harder than you're interviewing us. And then if, you know, we feel like you're actually going to start creating video and you just needed somebody like us to help you do that, then great. If you, if we don't get that vibe from you and you don't have video, then we won't sign you up no matter how much you want to pay us. Because we know that in this day and age for us to be successful for you, we need to have some type of video so we can build that like, know, and trust, have your audience. And once we have a big enough audience, we can hit that audience all day with offers and people are going to buy from you. Um, what about production? I think a lot of people struggle with, you know, um, I don't know. I don't have somebody who can, you know, run around with a camera behind me and then the lighting, the background, the this, the that, like there's so much that goes into the video. And I see that there's, that's one thing that a lot of people also struggle with. I mean, you know, for me, I just say, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to do the best that I can with what I have. And, you know, like, <laughs> it's better done than, than not do it at all. And that's just how I go. Um, so I, I don't really like even just a few days ago, because I was like going crazy from, you know, changing shirts all the time and making sure, oh, I'm making three videos at once, you know, like, oh, I have to change the shirt three times, you know, so it doesn't look like I wear the same shirt every day, even <laughs> though the videos were all done in, in the half an hour span. So, you know what I did? I asked my graphic designer, can you just make a hashtag F4F, so framework for freedom and hash LOT for the leverage of trust group that I have, uh, the free group. And um, just, you know, let's put that on 10 uh, black t-shirts for, for one and 10 black t-shirts for the other. And now I have 20 t-shirts and I just, you know, um, change. Uh, is it the LOT or the F4F? LOT, F4F. And that's it. That's and I don't have to overthink it. I don't, I, I don't have to do anything. If somebody is, is, is you know, um, minding that I'm not in a shirt with, you know, whatever, like just, you know, what uh, freedom of entrepreneurs is all about this. So if you want freedom, that that's what you want and not, you know, the kind of freedom where you have to wear suits every day and so on. That's not freedom. Nobody exactly. wears the tie because they really really love it so much <laughs> no I, I like that strategy though and like you said i'm of the same mindset you just got to say fuck it and do it and when i first started i was saying the same things like you said most people are saying i need someone to follow me around all day but i didn't have any money so that wasn't coming cell phone you guys we have a camera in our pocket is it a 4k no but at the same time you don't need 4k the lighting you just want to make sure that people can see your face and it doesn't look pitch dark the sound is actually more important. So as long as your microphone on your phone isn't damaged, the lighting is not as bad as the sound. And uh, as far as even keeping your phone straight, I would suggest people go horizontal versus vertical. But it, even as far as, you know, the phone's going to shake a little bit, as long as it's not shaking up and down to make someone sick, you're good. Uh, I just think, like you said, people are overthinking it too much, and I did it. And then one of my coaches, uh, Billy Jean, uh, Billy Jean is marketing, he got, he got on me pretty hard when I first got into his program and everybody else. And it was just like, hey, do video. You know, the thing is, it's more authentic and real. And what people have to understand is people are dealing with these stuffy, uptight, 
tie wearing individuals all day long at work, you know, in most cases. So when they get off of work, they don't want to deal with those people again. So how cool would it be for you to do a video that blends in with social media instead of looking like a Coca-Cola production, which I would love to have some Coca-Cola productions. And at the same time, like, I don't have Coca-Cola money and most of these people don't either. So use what you have, stop making excuses, get your ass on camera and share your message. You ever heard of Simon Sinek? Uh, a what? You ever heard of Simon Sinek? Yeah, the Y guy. Yeah, the Y guy. So I, I, I don't remember the last time I watched that video, but that video, the quality of that video, or at least one of the versions of that quality of the video was shit, but the audio was good and his message was powerful. And the man, he was already blowing up but he really blew up after that video. Imagine he didn't put that out because shit was fuzzy. And I mean, you know, if like, um, so uh, you know how on YouTube you have YouTube recommendations and then when you give your uh, iPad way too many times to your girlfriend, those <laughs> recommendations turn very, very, very strange. Uh, yeah. And so for me, uh, I see now a whole bunch of, uh, Britain's Got Talent, America's Got Talent, The Voice, like she loves singing and she loves singing along and so on. So, you know, now I have all these videos. But that, there was this one thing I was thinking a few days ago. I was watching a few of those videos, you know, like, fuck it, they're there. So just click on them. I had a few uh, <laughs> hours to kill, so why not? But the thing that hit me was uh, people who come on that stage all shaky and nervous but authentic vulnerable and not like oh you know what i'm this cool person and i'm already a pro and you know simon i don't care what you think but the ones who really you know show up authentic and 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 you know just new newbies in 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 that whole thing um usually there's a lot of crying that's a lot there's a lot of cheering even when they suck people stand up and support them and clap for them. And they might not go into the next stage, but you know, like, again, uh, nobody will boo them. Nobody will, you know, like underestimate them or anything. Like they get way more, like we as human beings, we connect more with other human beings. It's hard to connect with the A-listers because they're already so far ahead. So. The, exactly. more you try, the more you try to have that perfect uh, Coca-Cola production, um, it will be actually harder, not easier, for you to connect with people and to gather audience. I agree. And even to that point, I would say by the time you finish that Coca-Cola production, especially if you don't have the money to get it done ASAP, I could have made 100 videos. And what if one of those 100 videos would have stuck? And all I was doing was doing what I normally do and turning the camera on and, and, and putting myself out there. A lot of people are scared to see what other people think. And uh, at the end of the day, I think we all, to an extent, I just think it's in our nature. We always want to, we're always worried about what other people think, but there's a difference between guys like us that just override it and let it, and we know that our message is more powerful. And what we want more people to do is to, gain that attribute to know that your message is more powerful it's not going to be perfect even if you record video and you don't share it just get in the habit of doing it and even going back to that whole uh britain's got talent thing on youtube one suggestion i'll give to you if your girlfriend always takes your ipad i do this with my son and my niece 
I have multiple accounts on there. So if they want to take it, she's watching some JJ Siwa, some dancing girl. I don't want her showing up on my newsfeed. So I switch the channel and I give it to her. But even going back to the the talent people, those people are on TV now and on YouTube now under a professional production. But in their rise to get to the point where they could even get on the show, do you think they had a professional production? 90% of them or damn near 100% of them. You think no. it, was just, it was probably just on their phone. They might've had a camera. Like I have a, a Lumix G7, cost me $500, shoots really good stuff. They might've had something like that where they recorded themselves versus using their phone, but it wasn't some Coca-Cola style production. It was them being real, them getting discovered. And then now because they're on TV, the talent people are taking care of that content creation, but they didn't just get there based on, if they had to, if that was the requirement to have that level of production, the majority of those people wouldn't be there. I'd say damn near all of them. And by the way, Giraffe, um, mm -hmm. iPhone 10, um, 4K 60 frames per second. So yeah, oh. I mean, even even just, you know, your iPhone um, can be, can be um, um, just perfect uh, tool um, and you don't have to go and buy an extra camera. Um, so yeah, um, exactly. even, even, even those gadgets, they came way, way, way uh, above uh, what they were um, in the past. I mean, if you're, and you know, the thing is, I don't like the front facing camera when I'm shooting video, uh, because then I'm looking too much at myself and, you know, uh, I, I just don't flow it, but you know, oh, I'm doing this wrong, that wrong. So I actually turn my phone so that I'm, I'm uh, not looking at the screen, I put it on my tripod, a simple mm -hmm. tripod, and I just do it uh, from there. And then, you know, with a little bit of editing in iMovie, um, you, you can easily cut corners or, or things like that and trim it out a little bit. Uh, but, um, you know, just mm -hmm. um, do it. Um, yeah, I, I have a 4K, I don't know what, professional something something camera but to just <laughs> hook that up all together and and all the cables and, and this and that um i would never do any videos um so it sits there um in 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 uh, in my office but most of the time it's my airpods and and my iphone like that's most like 99 percent of my videos are done like that and they're okay I would say this too, to another extent, like you said, the production part, like you were saying, the editing keeps people from doing stuff too. So one thing you could easily do, whether it, whatever platform you're on, there's usually a live version. LinkedIn says they have a live version, but I haven't seen it yet. I know some people have access to it, but if you go live, you don't have to edit anything. It's done. It's done. Yeah. 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 And you know what? Um, I, I see with myself, when I'm doing the LinkedIn live or when I'm doing the Facebook live, I don't mess up so much because I know it's live. But then when I pre-record <laughs> videos, I start over and over and over. And it's like this, you know, something in my head that, oh, it's not live. So we can re-record over and over. And then I'm all pissed off. And then usually what I do is I just go live and then I uh, download that recording and then we turn it into video. <laughs> That's the best way to do it. I mean, because at that point, if you wanted to edit, you can do it. Or if you don't, it's already done. You know, um, and I think the thing with the live is, you know, it's art, like you said, the, it's lights, camera, action. You're going to mess up. And even if you mess up, you don't even feel like you messed up. But when you, there's no audience, 
and you have that camera to yourself, you want it to be perfect. So you're going to keep doing over and over again. And if you mess up on a recording, you're less likely to be as forgiven to yourself as if you mess up when it's live because no one remembers it. No one yeah. remembers it. So like you said, I, I like your style and how you operate. And I feel like you said, if more people had the fucking attitude, you know, again, stop thinking about yourself. Think about other people. If you really feel like you can help people, if you really feel like you have a powerful message that you need to get out to the world, are you going to let how you look on camera get in the way of that? Like, I've had Bell's palsy. You, you heard of that before? A what? Bell's palsy. You heard of Bell's palsy? No, no, no. It's where your one side of your face, or some people, both sides of your face, it goes limp. So it's almost like if that movie, the scary scary movie where they had the ghost with the white face that was chasing people around, I know what you did last summer, how his face was all slanted. My face was slanted like that on one side. You know, I couldn't barely open my eye. My eye would run. My eye still runs when I eat sometimes. And sometimes a pool, like, because it's tearing up, there's like a white spot under my eyelid that'll, you know, from the tears building up and it'll dry up. And, you know, not saying that I want to be looking on, you know, camera looking like that, but even knowing that I had that situation going on, it wasn't going to stop me from delivering my message. But that's because, like you said, I conditioned my mindset. So if you don't have that situation going on or something relatively close, there's really no excuse other than you overcoming yourself. But the best way to do that is to not think about you. Think about the people that you can help. And that's the reason why you're in business to begin with, helping more people. You can't do that if you don't get your message out there. I absolutely agree with you. Um, Gerard, we are slowly coming to the end. I mean, we, we are at the end anyway. I mean, um, so of course I will add all the links that you provided me with into the show notes, but is there a preferred way how people should reach out to you if they have marketing needs? I would say the best way to reach out to me would probably be by email. Um, I suck at Facebook Messenger <laughs> and I, you know, social media in, in total, I'm not all that great at. It's just my business, so I do it to an extent. But I would say email. Uh, my email is Gerard, J-E-R-A-U-D, at GerardMarketing.com. And if you reach out to me, I ask that you make sure that, that you saw me on this podcast so I can give you credit um, because... You know, I really do appreciate what you're doing out here, helping entrepreneurs, one, from the standpoint of doing this podcast, and two, what you actually do in your business on a day-to-day -day basis to help people. And your story in itself is amazing. And I'm glad that I was able to, you know, you were able to share that with me and that you allowed me to be a part of your platform. Well, thank you. And thank you for, for your really kind words, uh, Gerard. Um, my last question before I let you go. Mm -hmm. uh, the last golden nugget of wisdom, either related to what we talked about or just, you know, whatever for fellow entrepreneurs, your last golden nugget of wisdom. Mm, this is good. I would say if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And what I mean by that is if you consistently, like you were talking about with me earlier, put processes in place, reevaluate what you're thinking and plan ahead, then you don't have to get ready. Um, and that even goes back to the thing with video. I'll walk up to people that say they want to be on video and then they're like, wait a second. And I'm like, if you just stay ready for whatever's coming your way, you never have to get ready. And that's, I think that's a big part of my success. I'm always ready. That's a really, really, really good one. Really good one. I love it. Uh, well, Gerard, <laughs> thank you for being my guest. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for all the value you dropped uh, for our listeners. I really appreciate you for everything, your story, what you do, how you show up, 
everything. So I wish you all the best on your journey. Uh, and uh, thank you for this lovely interview. Mia, I appreciate you, man. Like I said, uh, you're really out here helping people. You really care. And you can tell the difference when someone's out here trying to get money, which we all need money. You can tell when someone cares. And, you know, you're, you're, you're a really genuine guy. And the amount of time I got to spend with you even before we did this interview, I'll cherish forever. And uh, I told you I got something that I got coming up soon. And when I'd have that thing come up, I definitely look forward to having you on if you can fit me in your busy schedule. Absolutely. It will be my, my privilege and uh, anything that I can do to help and support. Uh, yeah. So thank you again. Take care and all the best. Peace.